Welcome everybody to another episode of Miles More Madness. What a beautiful time to be alive. 2020, Tim, it's going to be a good year. The Chiefs are one game away from the Super Bowl. Oh, life is good here in Kansas City. How, how are things treating you up in Lincoln? Well, as I told you, I, I, I texted you and, and predicted when they were down by 21 points that the Chiefs would come back and win easy. And I was such in a deep, dark place that I don't even recall that. I was just, I was depressed and worried and I, I was just sick, but it happened. Well, that's not what I did. I was actually just making fun of you the whole time and it came back <laughs> to bite me because the Vikings got beat the day before my squad. But, but yeah, the NFL was good. College basketball was tremendous over the weekend. It was a topsy-turvy weekend in the Big Ten and and everywhere else, I think out of our picks, man, I think I went 0 for 4 in a Big Ten. And I think you always preference it, the league I pay attention to the most. So um, uh, to all those, uh, anybody that's crazy enough to follow our advice on betting, uh, uh, please don't unless you hate money. <laughs> hey, hey, I, uh, we'll, we'll get to this later in the week, but uh, I think I'm like five games over, the, uh, over 500 on against the spread. So I'd be making you money. Barely, but but making you money. All right, but let's let's uh let's get to Michigan State. Like, holy crap, what happened there? Michigan State, Purdue. I've I've got some thoughts. I've got some quotes I want to read to you. But but what were you able to watch that one? What were your initial impressions of uh, what happened there? Well, by the time it even occurred to me, I was watching you know Oprah's Soulful Sunday or whatever it was uh, with my wife, oh my and goodness. and by the time I even got to it, <laughs> it was a uh, whipping. Uh, Purdue plays great at home. There's no doubt about it. They feel that way. Uh, they just make more shots. They they're they're just tougher, you know. And and uh, but I was surprised at that outcome. I, I've got some quotes I want to uh, read you here in a minute. And and you know I I watched the first um, 16 minutes this morning just to get a some some kind of idea of what the heck happened. And uh, I actually thought Michigan State got decent shots. That first 16 minutes, they just didn't shoot it well, but they never really got in a great rhythm. They didn't get many transition opportunities, and you know how much you know they like to, to play fast and get get those easy buckets that, that help them. Um, they're about as good as anybody in the country at, at running to, to get to get makes. And then, um, but Cassius Winston, Purdue, like blitz ball screens. They just they basically stayed with him until with two guys until he got rid of the ball. Uh, he never really got in a rhythm, and when he doesn't play well. Uh, I don't think Michigan State plays well, and, and you know I think they kind of lack that second guy to be able to go off the bounce and do something. So much is on Cassius, and I, I want to read this quote from from Xavier Tillman f- to you um, that that was in you know the great Brennan Quinn story this this morning, or I guess yeah last night this morning, whenever. So here, here's what he says. He says talking about uh, he looks over at Winston, who's surrounded by reporters. Uh, and considers the load the senior is is asked to carry. Quote, man, that's got to be tiring. I mean, think about it. You're coming into every game thinking, okay, what are they going to throw at me? Are they going to double-team me? Are they going to trap me on my ball screens? Are they going to trap me on my pin downs? Literally everything we wanted to set up for Cassius, they would turn down or force it down and not let it happen. They did a good job shutting him down, and we didn't help him. That was the worst part. It should be, okay, if you stopped cash, well, now you got to deal with the rest of us, but we didn't come to play. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Tim? And, and I think it speaks to how much is on cash each and every night. Like, it's, it's, 
he's got to be good or they're not. Yeah, there's no question. That's a lot of maturity out of Xavier Tillman, too. That team was two for 16 from three. Uh, Malik Hall hit one, and uh, Gabe Brown hit one. And when Michigan State doesn't make threes, they're an ordinary team. Uh, they've, mm-hmm. they've been so good at making outside shots. But when you do what Purdue did to their ball screen offense, you know, now how do you get your threes? Because, you know, screen and roll defense is the only thing that, that really puts two defenders on the ball and can give the offensive player uh, with the ball a half-step advantage. So the idea of blitzing it is to take the ball out of the hands of the ball handler. Well, now you're, you're playing four-on-three as the offense, so there should be an advantage there, correct? Yes, there should cor- be. It should be, yeah. So, so, but that's where there's no other playmaker, as you alluded to earlier. So, essentially, Purdue saying you can play us four on three, and we're still going to win as long as Cassius Winston isn't one of those four. And it's an effective strategy if you're going to make shots, you know, on your end. And Purdue did. Uh, a team that I had their game and they str- they couldn't get to forty. Uh, had outscored them their entire game by halftime. They had 37 points at halftime. They'd only scored 36 Mm -hmm. against Illinois just a week earlier. And now they did play better in a meantime game at Michigan. Uh, But, but boy, I tell you what, it's just, you know, uh, like we said, basketball is an uneven product. When you look at, you know, uh, you have three games in six days and different places and different times and everything like that, but – but Xavier Tillman, I think, has a great perspective there. And, and I really, you know, he's a dad also. You know, he's got a, a young mm-hmm. little toddler. And I think that that's some pretty wise perspective is, is looking at that. And, and you feel bad, uh, but that's, that's the way it is. And, again, it, we've said this ad nauseum, but if you're a first-time listener, you know, I think this is the one time when injury has really caught up to Michigan State, the Josh Langford you know, he got hit, hurt last year, but you still had Matt McQuaid. And now there's just those other guys like Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry aren't quite there. Now, Rocket Watts played better. He had his probably one of his best games, and he's healthier. Uh, but you're still depending on a true freshman. And I don't care how highly ranked you are, uh, the Big Ten is no joke. And the Big Ten on the road is even more difficult. Yeah, I read that uh, that quote from, from Tillman. And Cassius Winston is also like – in incredibly insightful and intelligent and um as a as a fellow college basketball writer you know Brennan Quinn he's the the dude's good enough already and then he's got these guys to quote who are just like incredible like it just honestly just kind of pisses me off like okay you you, (laughs) you're already really good and then you've got these guys to quote like holy crap that's a great great quote from Tillman so yeah I'm a little bitter as a uh, fellow sports writer you know I, I would love to uh, to be able <laughs> to talk to those two dudes on a regular basis. But, man, uh, you hit it. I think, uh, you know, if, if they had Josh Lankford, Lankford was never known as a, as a guy that was, like, awesome, awesome off the bounce. But he would at least, I think, have the confidence to go make some plays. And they really just missed that kind of secondary handler um, off the bounce. You know, I, I – Rocket Watts, we hit on him last episode. You just said, I think he needs to, to maybe continue to be a bigger part of it. Um, you know, they, he was trying to play early in the first – or late in the first half, uh, Foster, Lawyer, with, with Cassius. So two point guards on the floor. Maybe you'll see more of that look. But they've got to they've get somebody else out there who can, who can like, you know, when they do that to, to Cassius, 
other guys got to make them pay, and, and, and they just didn't. So I, I want to, unless you got another thought on Michigan State, I want to move on to Michael's question on the Big Ten. Well, the one thing uh, that that is fascinating to me was I, I can remember being at a AAU tournament in the spring, how many years ago, with Dane Fife, and Dane was over talking to Miles Bridges, who had signed, and Cash Winston, and and I think Tillman mm-hmm. was in that group too. And I just remember how excited these guys were about the entire, you know, uh, quality of the kids and ability for those guys to play. And to think Xavier Simpson was in that state too. You know, I mean, you look at all the guys in Ohio yeah. and Michigan that way. Yeah. And uh, just amazing, amazing stuff. So uh, I can remember how excited Dane and, and Coach Izzo were about that recruiting uh, coup and that recruiting class for good reason. They're great people. They're well-spoken. Uh, and they're really good basketball players. All right, so – Michael, we got to give him love because his Badgers go to Penn State, get the W. We both picked against them because we're idiots and we know nothing. And, uh, wow, what a win for Wisconsin. And the Big Ten is a freaking mess. So Michael posed this to us over our text chain this weekend. Um, and I, I think it's it's worth answering, and because his Badgers win, then, then we're going to do it for him. Is the Big Ten's total unpredictability, Michael asks, indic- indicative of a deep league or of one with a bunch of decent at-best teams? Tim, what do you say? I want to hear from Michael. I want, I want Michael to say those exact <laughs> words right now. I want to hear from our producer. Well, asking you shall receive, Tim, is the Big Ten's craziness, the fact that Wisconsin can beat Ohio State on the road, then come home and lose to Illinois, then go back out on the road and beat Penn State. Uh, Indiana beats Ohio State this week. Uh, You've got Illinois beating Wisconsin on the road, then coming home and squeaking out Rutgers without Geo Baker. Uh, It's just been up and down all season with the exception of Michigan State for the most part. But then you guys talk about them getting just boat raced uh, by Purdue. Is that indicative of a, a league that is very deep? and you have to be on notice every week, or maybe that there's just no team that can separate, that it's just a bunch of decent at-best teams that could get exposed once we get to tournament time. I'm glad you said it, Michael, because I didn't. Um, But I do believe it's the latter. And what I mean by that was I just – I think the Big Ten – well, I know the Big Ten is as well-resourced, as well-scouted, and well-coached as there is out there. Uh, there, But there's very few teams with more than – you know, like one alpha, you know, or one real bona fide guy. And so not that it it's um, lacking in talent, but it certainly, I think, is um, – I think maybe all of college basketball is in the same situation right now. You know, they're, they're really they're, – there's some tremendous players out there, but there really isn't, you know, Zion Williamson where, you know – and how about Zion saying, by the way, as we alluded to earlier, he wanted to go back to college. The one guy in the world that wanted to just go back to college, and they won't let him. But um, uh, it's to me, it's it's a well-resourced, well-coached league, uh, well-scouted league, and it's going to be hard for anybody to separate just on talent alone because I think uh, the team we saw with talent playing so well together Ohio State tied with Northwestern for last in the league. Insane. Insane. I think, Tim, I think you hit it on this is college basketball. It's not just the Big Ten. Like, it's a college basketball thing. Um, But how about this? You look at Ken Palm's projections right now. 
Uh, he has Michigan State winning the league, but with six losses. 14-6 and six would be the championship team. And then the, the second-place team in his projections right now would be Maryland at 12-8. and eight. Like, that's just crazy. And I, I think my answer to, the, to, to Michael's question would be a little of both. I, I do think it's a pretty deep league. Um, you know, there aren't very many quote-unquote bad teams, but – but it's also a bunch of teams, like you said, that that are, um, you know, nobody is extreme, you know, really, really elite. It's you don't have um, teams at the top or one or two teams at the top like usual years in, in most of these leagues, where man, those those teams are just on an, on another level. And um, I, I think it's just a college basketball thing as much as it's a Big Ten thing. Yeah, I mean, he's got. What there's how many teams with a winning now? Remember, Ken's only right 67% of the time. He says 72. <laughs> I've got him down a little bit, but right now there are one, two, three, four, five, and the team tied for last six teams predicted with winning records. And that includes two yeah. teams at 11 and nine, three teams at 11, four teams at 11 and nine, one game over 500, one win over 500. You know, so that's and just you can look at. Go ahead. Yeah, that's just amazing to me. I mean, I was just trying to yeah. build suspense yeah. on my last line there, CJ. <laughs> but um, that's just amazing to me. And you you look at another league like you know the Big Twelve is one that I pay a ton of attention to. Obviously, um, his projections there have one, two, three, three teams with winning records finishing, and um, after that it is one, two. Two teams at 500, and then the rest with uh, projected to have a losing record. So, um, I mean, it's just it's just kind of wild up and down college basketball um, with some of these leagues this year. So, I, I, I want to move on. You know, one league we don't talk probably as much about as, as everybody else because you know most people are are East Coast bias, and we're here in the Midwest, giving it the the Midwest bias. But uh, the ACC, North Carolina. Um, I don't know, Tim, if you've had a chance to watch Carolina lately. I'll be honest; I haven't been watching them because I I don't think I think they're kind of lousy, and it's not really worth like wasting the time to watch a team that's probably going to be in the NIT now. If that um, now one and four in the ACC, and I, I don't want to talk about what's wrong with North Carolina um, or anything like that. I want to talk about what Roy Williams has been saying. Um, he's been saying some some things that are a little. Um, you, you maybe don't expect from from a coach. Part of me loves it because he's just you know speaking off the cuff, and and uh, I, I like coaches who are who are honest. I don't know it though that he actually feels this way about the things that he says. But he said two things in the last week that I want to get your response. And uh, as a, as a fellow coach, what like if you ever held back or if you ever wanted to say things like this, but but you just didn't. Um, so first thing he said. On his radio show this past week, he he said that the North Carolina was this this current squad he has is the least gifted team he's ever coached, which um, he's coached a lot of really, really 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 talented teams. So I mean, it's probably true. Going back to knowing what he's had at Carolina, I can tell you basically every Kansas team he ever coached, and um, I'd say that's 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 the truth there. You know, he never missed a tournament at KU. Um, all right, so the other the other th- quote I want to read here. This is from uh, Saturday after they l- lose to Clemson in overtime. I've had some great moments as a coach, and right now I'd say this is my lowest moment because th- losing this game was my fault. 
I told the players, if I die tomorrow or 20 years from now, this will be the biggest regret I have in 32 years as a coach because these kids really need a win, and their coach let them down today. Uh, didn't he also say I should be fired? Yeah, I believe so. I believe yeah. so. So uh, here's a couple things. Um, I think as you look at this, Coaches, you know, feel like, first of all, he knows he's not getting fired, and he do, he does feel awful, okay? But, uh, yeah. you know, there's as a coach, there are times you need to figure out, you know, how to let people know that you're accountable and you truly feel responsible. Because, quite frankly, there's so many times when you take responsibility for everybody else's screw-ups. You know, uh, it could be an assistant coach on the scout uh, that missed something. It could be the players just, you know – uh, not being ready. Maybe you got a little wild card out there who's living life high and large, like, you know, our guy in the Mountain West. And, um, uh, and, and so you, you, you know, you, you, you cover people and you, you, you know, you speak for the situation and you're a diplomat and you're, a, you know, you're an ambassador for your school and your, and everything. And I, I think this is just a way for him to say, I, I don't know how we got here. You know, I, I mean, we lose Cole Anthony. Uh, but we should be better than this. And it's not about losing to Clemson for the first nine in 59 years at home, although that's what the moment is. It's really, I think, just a way for him to show, like, he is soul-searching and saying, okay, how did this happen, and how can I account for it? How can I let people know that I'm sorry? Like, we shouldn't be here. The players, and when I say people, it's not just, you know, media, fans, season ticket holders, donors. Uh, alumni, it, it's everybody. It's the families of the team. And, you know, now those kids have to live with being the least gifted or the worst, you know, the performing uh, Carolina team since what, you know? Um, you know, uh, I, I just think it's his way of trying to take accountability. And, you know, yeah, he's saying, you know, he said this, said that. I think he's just trying, A, he's being honest, and B, he's just trying to, to show when he says I should be fired. Now, when he says I have my least gifted team, I think he's just being accurate. He didn't, I mean, he, that's not to say any of those guys are not good players, but he doesn't have four first round draft picks. And he's had that a lot of times, you know, at mm-hmm. one time or another. So um, you can still be a really good college basketball team, but to be a blue blood, you know, they, you know, I mean, you eventually would say it happens. It's happened to Shashevsky different times you know, where he's had health issues and stepped back or the team just wasn't very good and um, and they had to suck it up. And But this is probably the first time in a long time for Roy. Yeah, he's he's been pretty consistent lately and, and it's usually because he has older teams. Um, and he's, you know, he's got some some older guys on, on this team. They tried to go out and get a couple grad transfers and I don't think that quite worked out like they were they were hoping it would. But um, I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't hate it. Um, I think when you say the least talented team, least gifted team, well, you know, to me, if I'm a player, I'm, all right, I'm going to go do something about that. Like, I'm going to go work my butt off and we're going to make something of this, even though we are. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I like the honesty. Um, this is kind of Roy being Roy. Um, and when you are Roy Williams and you've had the career you've had, like you're able to say these kinds of things, right? Like it's different Roy saying this than a first or second year coach. And, um, I think, I think he can get away with it, but it's, it's, uh, def- definitely gives knuckleheads like us, uh, something to talk about. 
It, no question. You're exactly right. And and Roy does have the credibility and the and the pedigree to to I don't want to say say what he wants, but to understand that that uh, that you know he's he's factual and he's trying to be accountable for it. And so um, mm-hmm. tough times at North Carolina. I know it's tough for that fan base who's so prideful to to go through, but but guess what? They'll bounce back and and they'll be really good. And if they get Cole Anthony back, uh, he'll be really good. They might even win the ACC tournament. So now they're in the, now they're in a spot like the rest of us. <laughs> you got to make a big run in the in the conference tournament to do something. I hope he comes back too. Yeah, yeah, it would be. He's he's man, um, he can go on some pretty crazy individual runs as as we've seen already this year. Like he he went out and just kind of won them a couple games early, and um, it's it's not unsalvageable because like you know they've they've got. That win against Oregon, um, the, the, like they're eight and eight right now. But all you got to do is probably go above five hundred in the ACC or around that, and you're going to have a chance to make the tournament. So I don't think they will. But um, man, pretty pretty crazy that, that North Carolina's in this spot. Now, want to move on to uh, to Baylor and Scott Drew um, going to Kansas. Grew four the, inches. Tim, he you, grew you, four you, inches. You called it. <laughs> you called it. Got got the uh, got the first win at Allen Fieldhouse for his program. Um, now Baylor has won in the last week. Baylor won at Texas Tech and at Kansas. I don't know that any team in college basketball will have two road wins that good all season, and they did it in one week. Um, now got a game up on Kansas. Still get them at home. Are we going to crown them, Tim? Should we crown them? Yeah. I think we crown their asses. <laughs> we crown them. Uh, that, that, by the way, that reminds me of a story. Scott Drew's week, and I call it Tim Miles' morning. So, in in uh, I was at North Dakota State. I was at the head coach. I hope I haven't told this story before, but because uh, I've told it before, but just not on our podcast. But so we hopefully not. We are a Division One independent playing at Wisconsin. Apologies to Michael Beller. He probably remembers the game, and so. Uh, uh, that sniff was a like an exclamation point. But anyhow, I remember uh, we we uh, we went in and during their bye week, uh, we played Wisconsin. And what I mean by bye is BYE. They had they were off and we played uh, an 11 a.m. game on a Saturday and they had a hockey match that night or whatever you call hockey. Um, and so so we had come in and just lost on a last second tip in at Utah Valley State. Dick Hunsaker had a very good team and we lost and I was mad so we fly in commercial and uh, we brought our our red shirt guys because we we had some guys red shirting and we brought our whole like our managers and our support staff because we like them to get to the regional uh, big games when we played them so we had them bus up kind of deadhead and we flew from Utah into Madison and we had no place to schedule so we went to a, a health club and I just on, on Friday, I just waylaid into our guys. We went 45 minutes, and I just yelled at them about feeling sorry for themselves, this, that, and the other thing. And we left, and we wake up the next morning like 7, and Saul Phillips had been the ops guy and played for Bo Ryan at uh, UW-Platteville, and Saul gives them this, this, boys, these guys are putting their uniforms on one leg at a time just like us, you know, one of those corny ones. And I'm just like rolling my eyes. Come on. I'm so mad at these guys. Let's just get to the game. Get this whipping over with. Because, uh, you know, you just figure, I mean, they're ranked 12 or 13 in the country. Bo Ryan at that time had only lost 
three games at home ever in the Kohl Center that were non-league. So we go in, and we're up 16 at halftime. We are just killing them. We're whipping them. And we come out the second half, and all I can remember is being out there, and the guys are warming up, and the band's playing, and I look up, and it's 11.59 a.m., and I said, at least I've had a hell of a morning. At the minimum, this has been a great morning. You know, I've had, had a good breakfast, a whole bunch of coffee. We're up 16, and now the clock's going to hit noon, and who knows what happens from there. But, I, but we won the game, which foreshadows Scott Drew going to the Final Four this year with Baylor because he had one hell of a week. When the clock turns on him, and now it's Monday, I think he's just going to continue it. I think he's going to keep going and keep going and keep going. Yeah, he's got, you know, we, we talk about everybody's flawed and, they're, you know, college basketball is a little down. But um, as I've watched some of these these teams that are, um, you know, near the t- ranked near the top of the country, um, you know, Kansas I can talk about a nauseum. Like they've got their – the Jayhawks got their issues. I still think they're really good, but they're not a great passing team. Decision-making is not always great. Um, you know, basically Baylor took away Yudoka Azabuke – um, made it really, really, really tough to feed him. KU missed him a lot of times just because, like, those guys just don't have the confidence uh, in their passing to, to make maybe difficult entries into him. And uh, Baylor did a really, really good job of just basically shadowing him with the second defender. And um, it, was a, it was an excellent game plan. But you look at Baylor, and tremendous defensive team. And, and they showed that against KU, held them to point, you know, 0.89 points per possession, 55 points. Um, since the start of December, they've, they've allowed one team over 60. Like, no matter how you want to judge it, that's a tremendous defensive team, and they're doing it with – the Bears are doing it with man-to-man. You know, Scott Drew's kind of abandoned his own and, and changed, and, you know, credit to him for doing that. But, okay, so they're awesome defensively. Then offensively, like, they're – you know, they might have their, their droughts every once in a while – but they've got almost at all times almost the opposite of Michigan State. They got three dudes who can just put it on the floor or make a shot and just go, you know, go get their own. Jared Butler, Michelle Teague, and Davion Mitchell, and then Devontae Bandu, another guy off the bench who's similar, and Matthew Mayer, an, an, another kind of big dude who can go, go do that a long wing um, that can put it on the on the floor and and, and go get his. So, um, you know, even even when one or two of those guys off are off, like. Somebody else can pick it up, and then they've got two bigs, Freddie Gillespie and Mark Vidal, who kind of know their role. Mark Vidal is you know, like the perfect glue guy. Gillespie, great finisher on like pick and roll. It's one of the best I've ever seen at making that like ten foot, five foot jumper. Those kind of awkward shots. He's really good at it. So, um, you know, offensively they might not be the best team in the country, but I think they're the they're one of the teams that can. Um, I don't know how to say that. Like. Going on long droughts is not going to happen to them as often as others, even the elite offenses, because they've just got so many different guys that can go at you. So Scott, Scott's built a really, really good team. Um, and it's it's crazy, too, when you look at it. There, there's some kind of – I was talking to one of their assistants beforehand, and there's some kind of stat where, like, Texas has, I think, like nine top 50 recruits or something like that, and Baylor's got one. Um, but, you, you know, if you look at the rosters, like you're taking Baylor's talent every day over Texas. So, um, Freddie Gillespie, one of those dudes, like a, a play started his career D three guy came, came to Baylor as a walk on. And now he's starting on what should be probably the number one team in the country right now. And let's just remember this Baylor lost one game to Washington on a neutral court. 
And with, what, five minutes to go, their win probability was like 96%. And Washington ended the game on a 14-1 to run uh, to win that game. So they just collapsed. And a lot of times you learn from that, you know. And when you've, you know, I call it loss aversion. When you feel like you've got this game in hand. Uh, have you ever heard the loss aversion theory, guys? I have not. Let's hear it. So loss aversion, there's a book called Scorecasting. And, and I, you know, again, so I'm light on exact details or facts, but I'm, I'm better on stories. <laughs> so we're just going to go with this, okay? So The Tim uh, version. Loss aversion is, uh, is this, that they did studies on major league pitchers. And when major league pitchers got the count to 0-2, and, and then the count went to 3-2, and two, they were more likely – to give up a hit or walk the guy than they were strike the guy out. So they're 0-2. They feel like they've now got this guy out. So the first thing you do is what? Waste a pitch, right? Then, you know, you, you try and get him to, you know, uh, chase a bad one again or whatever, you know. And now 2-2, two and two, you don't get the call or you miss it. 3-2, and two, now you feel like you had him out, but now you're full. So, I mean, it's, it's like it could go either way on you. And because of that psychological aspect of now you feel like it's loss aversion, you kind of play not to lose, okay, that, that you're more likely to fail, so to speak, in terms of allowing that guy on base than you are succeed, which is getting him out. Uh, now, that's just, uh, it's just interesting to me that way. And so that's called loss aversion. And a lot of times you can learn from that. Now, the one thing I had messed with and tried to practice at different times was I tried to practice loss aversion with our teams. How do we put our guys in a situation where, you know, because you can practice all you want, but how do you practice having a big lead and making sure the other team scores while you're still trying as hard as you can, you know, without being foolish, you know? So what, I, you know, I get refs to call a foul on our guys every time so they get foul shot. I mean, what do you do in practice to try and replicate that? And that is something I've kind of wrestled with over the course of time. We thought we've, we've had a couple drills, you know, where we did where you, you, you give them a score. And so your race is against time to keep the score. So let's say they're playing defense at all times. And mm -hmm. so you've got an 11-point lead. And we tell them it, it can't go under double figures or a 13-point lead. And you've got, you know, uh, two minutes and 30 seconds of defensive consecutive defensive possessions to keep that you know, uh, that 13 point lead, you can't let it go under 10. And then you give the offense points for twos and threes and fouls. And you give, uh, you know, the defense just one point for a stop. So you give the advantage to the offense. Cause that's usually the lesser guys, but you try and find mm -hmm. a, a way to practice that. And then you get some guys that, you know, just don't buy in. Or, this is stupid, you know, or whatever. So then you've got that whole mentality too, but it's just, that was always a fascinating thing but but sometimes that kind of loss can really help you and I guess my whole point is playing not to lose always gets you beat or always makes things worse at least uh, playing to win and hunting and being the hunter or being the guy that wants to step on their throats the aggressor always wins but obviously that game has really helped Baylor as we've gone forward and you go you look back at that game and we've talked we've hit on this before um, you know that was when Baylor was still really trying to get Tristan Clark going. Um, he hasn't been the same guy since returning, and now he's playing a, just a bit role. But in that game, he goes 3 of 14 um, from the field, 
you know, and scores scores seven points. Like taking fourteen shots, that and a guy that's that's not the same as what he's been in the past. You know, that 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 crushed them there, and um, he, he's now playing. You know, just kind of he's a fill in off the off the bench and and um you know hopefully someday he he returns to to what he once was but um it's a different team now and now they're relying on those on those guards and it's almost like i i think they're about as well prepared for the for your loss aversion um scenario just because um like the against Kansas they they put those guards out there they let them go make plays down the stretch and KU was never able to to really cut into that lead or put any game pressure on Baylor late just because um, Butler and Mitchell and Teague just kept making plays. And, and uh, it's, it's an, it's a pretty, uh, a group that goes together really, really well. So um, I don't know if I want to crown them the big 12 champs yet. Cause there's a lot of time left. I still think Kansas is, is going to be a player in this. I think it's a kind of a two horse race, although West Virginia's um, keeps trucking along and, and, you know, you should probably consider them, but, um, man, what a what an impressive uh, win by Baylor, and uh, really really cool moment for Scott Drew. And I, I talked to his dad, uh, Homer, over the phone um, right you know Saturday afternoon, and he told me that that him and um, Bryce were talking like during every four minute timeout, and and he he kept waiting for that Kansas run to to come, like he was freaking out. He's like, S- some point they're going to start making threes, and. And they never really did. So, uh, very, very cool moment for the Drew yeah, family. Yeah, and that is cool when you have two sons that are coaches. And of course, Bryce is doing the broadcasting thing now for a while till he gets back in it. But uh, how cool was that? And then, you know, the other thing is, how would I be able to like get clips? Like, how would I find out what he said? Is there any way I could find out what Homer Drew talked about? Is there a way <laughs> you would? Could- you would. You would you would go subscribe and you would read my story at the at the athletic and uh, you'd find a ton of great content there at, at the athletic today. And I, I don't know if I can day. afford it. I'm I'm like kind of unemployed. I am a oh, part time oh, broadcaster. <laughs> you are unemployed. What a tough scenario for you. But it's good thing that you're listening to this podcast right now. And Tim, I'm I'm speaking to you. You're getting to hear these words. Um, because if you go to theathletic.com slash miles more, you get 40% off a subscription a to the Athletic. And, oh, discount. So how beautiful is that? And and while, while we're wrapping up here, and, and thank you for that tremendous setup, Tim, uh, I want to remind the listeners to to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because that, like, makes us look better. And um, we, I like looking good, Tim. You, you like, you're out here unemployed. You're trying to look good, right? So help an unemployed man out. Like, like make us look good. Um, I'm just holding on by the, you know, just barely to my job. So make us look good. Go rate and review and like say say nice things about us. So we'd, we'd appreciate that. And we know journalists. You know, I mean, they're just. The businessmen of America are just icing you guys out, so that's actual reality. But uh, and I, I, I only chuckle out of uh, you know, I mean, because it's true. Uh, but before we go today, I, I think we really need to get to the most important thing, which is I have a special pick for us that is going to be a bonus pick in our picks. That means a bonus pick; Ooh. it's going to be worth double. And I've already made my pick. Are you just making is, the rules here? Yep, yep. We're gonna. Timmy's gonna make some. rules. We have not discussed this, people. Yeah, we have not discussed. So, this. I'm gonna right. do what so, you so did to I'm me. I'm picking too. Yep, yep. You're you're picking, and you can't pick the same as me. So I am picking LSU <laughs> 35, Clemson 31 tonight in the national championship football game. 
LSU 35, oh, Joe Burrow. Go, you, Burrow. All right? Joe Burrow. Go, Tigers. 35, 31. No, don't get on your computer and check scores and see who's picking who. I'm checking the spread. I mean, checking it's 5.5. What's the spread 5. here? Yeah, it's that's, that's Clemson with the points right there. Five and a half is the line. Michael, what do you Five have? Five and a half. Who do you have? I, I think LSU is going to roll. I think this is going to be I, a like a 17 point, 42 to 21 LSU wins. That, <laughs> this that would is be so unfair. Yeah. Nope. I actually think LSU wins too. No, you can't pick but LSU. But I got – you. You got to give me the – I get the points at least, right? I'll give you the points. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is this is such a BS. So now you know how uh, I feel every week. Proposition okay. by Miles. <laughs> how you feel? I at least let you pick who you want to pick. Not always. Not always. Because you would make That's more, not true. I've never we, told you you can't pick Okay. So let's just side. think about this from a viewer standpoint. Have some empathy for the viewer. If we just pick every game identical, how fun is that? And you will not vary from who you're going to pick. And you just barely – you basically pick the favorites every game. So, anyhow. That's just um, not true. So, so now I've true. got to sit here and try and make something out of this damn show. And so let's go. Who you got? <laughs> well, you I don't have to tell you who I got. You just picked it for me. I, okay. Let's go Clemson let's, Tigers, I guess. What's the score? Come on. They cover the they, <laughs> they cover. Right, what's the score? So it's they, a six zero. Uh, it's 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 LSU or four zero. Um, LSU forty two, Clemson thirty nine. Even though I think I, I'm with you, I think LSU uh, probably covers. But no, I'm picking Clemson to cover the spread. LSU wins. All right, yeah, I'll put a little, so that's worth double. So uh, and, <laughs> that's and, worth and CJ will get to our next show. Why it's that's a sport I know nothing for me. About. College football, something I know nothing about, is worth double. Great. I promise you. The collective uh, knowledge between these two guys speaking live, I, I'm not speaking for Beller over there, but the collective <laughs> knowledge of football out of us two is uh, not good. Not yeah, high. Not good. I know the Chiefs. I watch that every week. I know that. So, uh, whatever. You, can, you can't ruin my week because uh, the Chiefs are one game away from the Super Bowl. Although, I'll tell you this, Tim. Wouldn't you be scared going up against a guy who's re- willing to cut his you-know-what off for a Super Bowl win? Um, that, 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 that frightens me a little a bit. Have you heard quotes. that quote? It's a quote of all, I oh, think. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a big quote. Big quote. Would you be willing to, to no. do that for a, no. uh, for a championship or a no. Final Four? No? No. The I, athletic I mean, directors take note. No one. Well, oh, yeah. Just blame <laughs> me for it. Thank you very much. Oh, man. All right. Would you cut uh, it off to be embedded with me at the Final Four? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> hell, there no, it is. No. Hell no. <laughs> Not even close. There's nothing that you could say, I don't think, that uh, there's very few things you could say that I would I would do that for. So, anyway, all right. This has been fun. Thanks for, you know, this this BS scenario you've ended the show with. Um, I'm, I'm just in a corner here and, but, but it's really quick. We got to hammer this down. So Tim, you've got, you've got LSU covering or Clemson with the points. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. Cause his score would have been LSU's not covering. Score, They're winning 35, 31. Okay. So it's PJ, you got to You just got to No, no. All right. This win. is, this is crap. No, no, no. This is crap, Tim. <laughs> no, you have you to at least score, say LSU. The thing's over. We're not no, going no, no, back no, no, and no. picking. Well, if we if we don't get re- back, you guys are the, same, uh, guys are the same thing right now. You're both picking LSU to win and Clemson with the points. No, yeah, no, we no. both have. So okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. I pick LSU to win outright, so we're different now. LSU okay. covers, so we'll go. And we'll wins. go forty-two thirty-five. How's that for you? 
I mean, that's that's unless you want to keep the scenario you had, keep the score you had. I'll say LSU wins and covers. Yeah, you just did. So you've got the game LSU forty two, Clemson thirty five. Okay, fine. That's my score. Yeah, okay. let's do it. So I'll give you. We're, we're gonna be right. We're gonna be right, CJ. Yeah, Ellis. There we go. I like this, Michael. Thank you for saving me, Michael. Now I get what I it. want. I mean, Boom. Here's a guy that writes. Thank you. He's writing shit down that we say, fact checking. <laughs> like, um, he's the man. Michael's the, the man. Job. That's the job. My, yeah. Michael's right. Michael's as hot as the you badgers. Wouldn't, you right wouldn't now. call. A, you wouldn't call a timeout, Tim, and just uh, you know have a you know uh, underneath out of bounds and drop nothing. Well, if you've seen some of my underneath out of bounds, you'd think that, that may be what happened. <laughs> Michael, you're the assistant he's always needed. The, the, the man who will speak up and say, hey, Tim, that's stupid. You shouldn't you do that. You got it wrong, Tim. Go, it's actually our it ball, not their ball. Oh, shit. All right, None boys, of his assistants. You. Saul Phillips, you should have stepped up and said something in the past. You should have been more like Michael, and your teams would have been better back then. All right. That's been fun. Stay efficient, America. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for putting up with CJ.